friends and everyone else from the ether. Welcome to the now infamously known podcast series called Have You Seen It? Where I watch a film, absorb its story, themes, and more, writing so many notes and then tell you my thoughts to you, the listener. Then I give you my recommendations or not to watch said film as well as give you some light film analysis to empower you to grow in your movie buff power. This category of this film we're bouncing to this week is animation. In my own words, would define it as anything drawn or created digitally to tell larger-than-life stories that is otherwise harder to display visually in this medium. From the stories of people traveling through magical lands to talking animals and more, animation has and continues to be a popular category for films of all ages. This film in this category has a special place in my heart as well as one of my favorite films of all time. This has the tale of identity, self-discovery, and love in all of its forms, as well as some jokes and action moments sprinkled along the way. I'm talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Get your thinking caps on, your ears focused, and let's dive into the episode, shall we? To help give context before going further in this episode, I'll be breaking down the Disney adaptation of the story of the same name only. The other adaptations of this classic tale and info related to said thing I'll cover in another segment in the near future, so don't worry, we got this. This episode is spoiler free, so no worries to you, dear listener, on me ruining the story for you. Excellent. Now we will dive into this episode. I'm overcautious in nature when writing my scripts as an FYI. Anyways, this film takes place sometime in the medieval period in the famous city of Paris, France, where we can see the opening shots of the film, the majestic size of the famous church towering over the Parisian skyline, Notre Dame herself. Quick side note, I need to tell you this story of my personal experience with the church. I saved up all the money I made from college, from side jobs and gigs, and I bounced around Western Europe for a little bit, and I wanted to see Notre Dame herself in real life. And I saw from this movie, you can see as a towering beacon of, you could say, hope, or it was just tall, inhumanly tall. And I was just so impressed by it. I know it's cartoon, but it was just so huge for me when I saw it as a kid. So I thought that was the same expectation as an adult when I saw it. Bound to my disappointment, it is tall, but it's not as tall as I thought. Compared to the other modern buildings around the Church of Notre Dame, it's not that tall. And I was slightly disappointed, but hey, that's just child expectations getting caught up to the aspects of reality, I guess. So I thought that was funny to mention, but I digress. But this story is more than just the church, but more of a location where the story revolves around in various small ways, but of course is a story of people, and more so of a young man named Quasimodo. He's the central protagonist of the story, and we see how he becomes the famous bell ringer of Notre Dame, what he wants out of life, and a growing conflict that comes to a head in the background. Of course, this movie is one of the many films in one may consider the golden age of Disney films in the 90s. So old, I know. This film has musical numbers throughout the film. Does it make it a musical? In objective meaning, yes. If people burst into song and very coordinated dance numbers with no one questioning it, it's a musical. But the way it conveys the character's thoughts, feelings, motivations, and more 
in an amazing way. This is how the movie shines and also stands out as an outlier from the other Disney films of that decade. It does its own thing and makes their identity known to you. This segues to what I call the film's one-two punch of delivering thoughtful and exciting storytelling. The first part of this dynamic that comes together is the musical scores and the other thematic musical numbers that come with them. So it got me into films in the first place. Shows the depths of what's happening in the moment with nonverbal cues. You know exactly what is happening, and the movie doesn't whack you over the head with it. One example of this plot device can be seen in the opening, On the Steps of Notre Dame. Pardon my singing, but that was just for the sake of the joke. <laughs> Where we see the growing conflict between the gypsies and the church personified in the villain Claude Frollo, one of the city's judges, in keeping order in the town and also a devoted Catholic. But we soon learn he has a personal vendetta with the town's gypsy population and is hell-bent to imprison and kill all of them by any means necessary. Or put in the narrator's words himself, he found corruption everywhere but within. This vendetta leads to a confrontation with Quasimodo's mother and Frollo himself. He kills her in the pursuit of her trying to obtain sanctuary in Notre Dame, finds baby Quasimodo as a misshapen monster and attempts to drown him. And through this musical exchange between Frollo and the archdeacon of the church confronts him on spilling the blood of the innocent. The best part of this scene is this, Frollo tries to justify his actions to the archdeacon, but speaks the truth and the consequences of his actions with the following lines. I will not sing it. You may lie to yourself and your minions. You may not have a single qualm. You can never hide what you've done from the eyes, the very eyes of Notre Dame. From the orchestra music building, the narration and the ominous shots of the saints and godly figures of stone staring down at him and more, you know Frollo feels fear of burning in hell and not him obviously yelling it out loud. All that complex information exposition is delivered to you, the viewer, in a streamlined fashion. There's too much talking in one scene. I easily get bored and this is just a perfect way of all of that being expressed i know it's surprising not even 10 minutes into the film and we witness at least or implies innocent people murdered child drowning and an existential crisis how in the heck is this a family film i tell you well this movie is indeed a family film and they convey these hard themes and materials through clever means so it's enough to not shock children watching it but enough material to entertain the parents as well it's a careful balancing act so one could argue is essentially the lifeblood plot device of all films for the last 30 years, but I digress. Let's move on, shall we? The second element of this one-two punch that delivers the final blow in excellence is the subtext slash narrative depth that all these characters have and how they interact with each other, as well as the dialogue they exchange is very intentional. All the characters in this story have full personalities or at least enough personality to fill their role of making the city and the people come alive in a realistic manner. As an example of both of these details personified in a perfect way is, of course, I mentioned before, in a musical number. Shocker, another musical number. By the time we bounce from the intro and into the full swing of the story, we see an older Quasimodo, about 20 years old, given plot context clues, looking out and wondering what his life could be, being forced to stay in the halls of Notre Dame and be her bell ringer. Wow, this film is hitting too close to home for me lately after watching this movie. I can't handle being locked down in my home for nine months last year, and this guy has been locked down for 20 years. I can't complain in that comparison. <laughs> uh, moving on. Yes, I referred to the church as a she and not as an it. These are the olden times, people. So that means most vessels and other important object society is often referred to as a she. So even back then, buildings had their preferred gender pronouns. 
What do you know? But I digress once again. So we see all his feelings in this scene come to a head where he sings what would be like as one of them slash accepted as being normal, which is both an internal conflict with him in the form of moments of self-doubt and insecurity to also external when abused from his ironic caring air quotes guardian Frollo plot twist in various scenes throughout the movie being treated as an outcast. He eventually finds a friend in potential love interest Gypsy Esmeralda. Their growth and how their relationship dynamic changes is one of the most interesting parts of this film. She shows quasi something he had not experienced before till then. Unconditional love, acceptance, and understanding, and also sharing a common foe in Frollo as both being treated as outcasts by him and also by extension of him, the city of Paris. So many complex themes and issues in this film, but before I could go any further, I need to make this statement. Maybe you relate to Quasimodo, Esmeralda, or other characters in feeling you may not feel accepted for who you are, and more by your peers, or your friends, or your family, or society as a whole. If that's the case, I wanted to say this to you. It's okay to be different. We can't fit into every single shape society and other people's expectations of us of what they want us to be. You are perfect just the way you are. We all have room to grow, of course, that's life. But don't be ashamed for who you are. Took me a long time to accept that myself and met wonderful people along the way who accepted me for who I am. And this will happen for you too, I am certain. Thought that was needed to be said in a season of growing division and changing times these days. Cool, let's dive in back to the analysis, shall we? Another example of this precise dialogue choice helps with showing important details in growth that all these characters experience is personified in the gypsy jester character who becomes our pseudo book and narrator of the beginning and ending of the film. He refers to Quasimodo as the hunchback of Notre Dame at the beginning, but later refers to him by his real name as time progresses. Just a minor detail I thought it was important to bring up. Other minor details that caught up my attention that makes me love this film more is the slight shift scales of time with a minor character telling us the children and in turn the viewer of the story, but seamlessly is still involved in the story as well as, as himself in the most key moments of the narrative, as well as the dynamic of Quasimodo and his stone gargoyle friends Laverne and company. Also, yes, they very much come to life and not a mental personification of his feelings of isolation. The gargoyles interact with minor characters and they react to their actions. So that solves that potential argument people may have with that element of the narrative. There you go. You don't have to guess. I just spell it out for you. Overall, this film has all kinds of details that help flush out its story, gives almost all the characters depth with three-dimensional personalities, as well as a breath of fresh air in the traditional mold of Disney films of this decade typically followed. Want to see a movie with more central character growth not tied to a love interest? Watch this movie! Want to see a film with great presentation of the geopolitical context of medieval Paris? Watch this movie! I couldn't recommend this movie fast enough for you. Also, it's a family film, so people People of all ages can enjoy this film and more. Now we transition to our next segment I call Filmology, where I give you a term that's related to a plot device, roles, and anything that contributes to make that sweet, sweet movie magic. This week's term is Director. It's more of the more commonly known film roles by everyone is considered the big cheese for a video production from top to bottom as a whole. Of course, there's other leadership roles like the producer or the cinematographer, etc. But the director is in charge of keeping the core creative vision on how the movie is made and all the big and small details of the production. Many directors have certain creative ideas that overlap with almost all of their films, like famous director Wes Anderson loves to have almost all of his shots be symmetrical 
as an example. Feel free to use Google if you don't believe me. <laughs> the second and last segment of this episode is what I call fun facts, where I tell you fun things about the making of or what's in the film itself, so you can tell all your friends to grow in your movie buff power. Here's some fun facts of the following. The movie is an adaptation of a novel with the same name written by Victor Hugo. The Disney character Belle from Beauty and the Beast makes a cameo during the opening scenes of the movie. If you're curious, it's the opening scene where it zooms into the city of Paris and you see people of Paris doing their things, baking, blacksmith, and then Bell's just walking down, down, right of the screen and easily missable, just rewind it enough, you'll find her. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, <laughs> going off script. Some CGI or computer generated images were used to help fill out the large crowds of the citizens of Paris. All character animations were drawn by hand. Holy frick, that's amazing. It took over 620 plus people to help create the film. Wow, sounds like an army, or at least a small militia. With its heavy subject matter, the creators were shocked it got the G rating instead of the PG rating, as well as some of the music was recorded in London. I almost forgot. You can watch this film currently on Disney+, Plus, as well as any streaming platform that you can rent or buy from. Or you can get a hard copy if you're concerned if people are be mooching too much of your Wi-Fi. <laughs> Because that happens, unfortunately. Uh, give this movie a watch or not. I ain't your mama. Now you can ask this question to your friends. Have you seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame? <laughs>